Are you enjoying this spring weather? Yes. Praise God for Indiana. Love all the seasons we get in one day. Praise the Lord. I'm excited today to uh, finish up this series, uh, Enemies of the Heart. We've been looking at emotions that are toxic in our hearts that kind of just get us off track and, and control our lives. And today, this emotion is probably the one that we're most familiar with. And to be quite frank, we probably don't recognize that we struggle with it as much as we do. But anger is the emotion that says, <clears throat> think about this, you owe me. Anger says, you've done something to me, you've taken something from me, and because you've done that, you owe me. And we live with that emotion for a large part of our lives. And in fact, if that anger gets lodged in our hearts, it will destroy relationships between us and people and us and God. Anger is coming down to this reality. It's we think we deserve something from someone because they've taken something from us or done something to us. It happens in infants and ch children. It happens in uh, high school age kids. It happens in young adults. It happens all ages. It happens men and women. None of us are exempt of anger. And anger is more than an emotion. Anger really will control your life if you allow it to. And it will impact your life. And sometimes you're carrying something that happened to you many years ago. And if it's not resolved and dealt with, then it is a toxin in your heart. And it'll damage the relationship that you have with God and with others. Let me give you a for instance. I have a childhood friend from Hagerstown, Maryland. We went to school together. We uh, graduated from high school together. We were friends and I went one way and he went another. And he told the story one night when we were um, sitting in his room. I was about 19 years old and, and we began telling childhood stories. He lived in one place and I lived in the other. And he would play wiffle ball. And as he played wiffle ball in his neighborhood, there was this neighbor lady who lived next to them. And if they hit the ball far enough, the ball would land in her yard. So the first couple of times they would go over and they would climb over the fence and grab the ball. But this lady become, became angry that they were climbing over her fence. So, so she told them that you can't climb over the fence. So what came, became a game of wiffle ball became a game where she began to keep the wiffle balls. And so we're sitting in his room one night and he was saying, you know, when I was a kid, there was this lady, she probably has a hundred of our wiffle balls. He says, and it's just not fair. I want to get back at her. Are you in? I said, sure, I'm in. So 19 years old and foolish, we decided that we would get her back for something that happened to him when he was nine, 10 and 11 years old. She lived in a neighborhood that was surrounded by a golf course, Fountainhead Golf Course in Hagerstown, Maryland. And so we decided, she had no idea that we were now 19-year-old mature adults coming back and going to take care of this anger that was lodged in his heart. So that night we went out, we grabbed nine of the flag sticks, they kept the flag sticks, and we went out and grabbed them and stuck them in her flower beds, holes not one through nine, rang her doorbell, knocked on the door, her light went on, and we took off running. She had no idea who, would, who had done that at all, but in, in my friend's mind, we got back for what she had done. She took the wiffle balls. So the next night, we weren't finished. She took a lot of wiffle balls. And so we decided that night we would go out and we would grab a park bench. And they were concrete park benches on the holes. And they were heavy. So we, we grabbed two more of our friends. And all four of us picked up this 400-pound park bench 
drug it over to her house and put it in her driveway, right at the end of her driveway, ran up, knocked on the door, rang the doorbell, and ran off again, lights on. And so we're talking about this and laughing, and my friend Joey's like, she'll know better than take wiffle balls again. I mean, I'm sure she never connected the dots. So we decided to go back a third night. A few nights later, we went back and got the rest of the flags and we're putting them in in her front yard, but she was prepared that night. And as we went to run up on her steps to knock on her door, the lights went on and we took off running out across the front yard. I kid you not, she came out and all we heard were gun sounds. Bam, 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 bam. I'm living proof that I made it only by the grace of God in our foolishness. Um, But my friend said something was taken from him and he deserved it back and he wanted to get back at her. Jesus has a lot to say about anger and he was having this conversation with Peter and Peter proposed the question, what shall I do if someone has wronged me? Is there ever a time that I can stop forgiving them or can I get to a point where enough is enough? Grab your Bibles and I'll show you what Jesus has to say about how to deal with our anger. And if you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Ushers will put one in your hand. But turn to Matthew chapter 18. If you open up your Bible, the New Testament, first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 18, or your mobile device in Matthew 18. And let's read this story, this interaction that Jesus has with Peter. And let's just see what Jesus says is the proper way to handle our anger. Would you stand with me as we read Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35. Would you read it with me out loud? Ready, read. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything the servant's master took pity on him. Cancel the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. You may have a seat. Incredible account here. Peter, who has a question, who's impetuous, we know, had probably tons of questions for Jesus. 
is asking Jesus this question. As Jesus often did, he answered what we would know as a parable or story or often with a question to a question. I know this about anger. A heart filled with anger is looking to be paid back. When anger is lodged in our heart, there's a part of our heart that we reserve that says, I need paid back for what was done to me. The irony in the story that Jesus tells is the very thing the servant received from his master, the canceling of the debt, never really changed his heart at all. In fact, he remained having this anger lodged in his heart. So you get this picture. Peter is asking this question, and so Jesus tells the story, and this man has this unusual amount of money that he owes the servant. Maybe it was a business deal went south. Maybe it was investment. But all we know is this master, this servant, is settling up his accounts. Maybe he did it at the end of the year. Maybe he did it at the end of the month. He had his accountant, as in our case, it'd be Josh. Hey, Josh, come in. Take a look at the books, would you? And they're looking at the books, and he begins to look at all the red accounts, and he said, we need to make sure these accounts are taken care of, that they're reconciled. We need to make sure the debt is paid. So maybe he went through a list and all of a sudden this servant comes up and they brought him in. And here's this man, the, the, the Bible says, this large amount, something three, four, five million dollar debt that was owed to this master, to this king. He's standing before him knowing there's no way he can pay this. So he begs, he pleads, and he asks, please, please let me pay this back. It says that the king... Or the master has mercy on him and cancels the debt. The very same words now, he now has, the servant who was canceled, had the debt canceled, leaves there and it says he goes and finds someone who owes him money. Let me give you perspective here for a second. He owed roughly three, four, five million dollars. His master cleared the book. It's black now. He goes out, heart's not changed because this anger is still attached. He thinks there's someone that owes me. You would think he would skip home, call a family meeting and say, praise God. You know that, that, that issue that we've had, that debt, we didn't know how we were going to pay it back. Well, they canceled the debt. You would think there'd be a party in the house, a celebration, but it says he went out and found someone who owed 16 cents. 16 cents. He was owed, he owed three to four or five million. And he holds this fellow servant to the debt instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to cancel your debt too. In fact, look what it says in verse 27. It says this. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt and let him go. In verse 28, Jesus tells this story. But, but, after this took place, when the servant went out, he what? What's the word? Found. He's on the search. It wasn't like he ran into him. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, which is basically a day's wages. And during this time, 16 cents. He grabbed him, began to what him? Choke him. Pay back what you owe me. And he demanded it. 
And then it says his fellow servant fell to his knees. He begged him, be patient with me and I will do what? What does he say? Pay it back. He says the very same words that he had said to his master. Look at verse 26. At this, the servant fell to his knees, on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The very same words are spoken to him, yet he refused to cancel the debt. He throws him into prison. And then Jesus says this at the end of the story. If you treat people like that, I'm going to treat you as a wicked person and the text says you will be tortured and I'm going to treat you the very same way if you choose not to cancel debts and forgive people. The greatest picture that we have in scripture is Jesus on the cross. And Paul gave us a beautiful picture of indebtedness that we owed in Colossians 2.14. It says that, that Jesus went to the cross. He canceled the code of our sin and the indebtedness that we owed, Colossians 2.14. It says when Jesus went to the cross, all of our sin that, was, that we had done wrong, Jesus canceled the wrongs that we had done. I love Peter here because he asked a very good question. He's not much different than you and I. I mean, look again at verse 21. So Peter just comes to him in verse 21, and Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. In other words, he's asking this, how many times is enough? Or better yet, when is it all right, Jesus, to not forgive anymore? Or when do I have the right just to be angry and not cancel the debt? Or, I've often wondered as I've read this, did he have someone in mind? You bet he did. Like, Jesus, I'm talking about him. Like, do you know what he's done to me over and over and over again? Like, when can I go to him and say, listen, dude, enough is enough. I'm not canceling any more debt. I'm not going to forgive you. In rabbinic tradition during this time, we always got to keep in context the customs and cultures of the day. In rabbinic tradition, you were allowed or you were supposed to keep the law. If you kept the law, you were supposed to forgive someone three times. And you were very generous. After the third time, you didn't have to forgive them or cancel their debt. The fourth time was generous. And Pete's like, huh, Jesus, I'm willing to do it seven. (laughs) And Jesus rewrites it. He completely, he always raised the level in the New Testament when Jesus came. He raises the bar and he says, not just seven. Peter was like, seven times? Like, that ought to do it, huh, Jesus? I mean, three times a rabbinic law. And Jesus said, not seven times, but 77 times. In other words, keep forgiving, keep forgiving, keep forgiving, keep forgiving. And if you look at the verb usage here, it's in the present tense. It means continue to do so. That wasn't what Peter wanted to hear, I'm sure. He's like, I got to live with him or her the rest of my life. And they continue, and you're telling me, Jesus, that I need to... Yeah. You shouldn't keep anger lodged in your heart. But like Peter, and probably like most of us, we deserve better treatment. When someone does us wrong, there comes a point where we cut them loose. You see, you show me an angry person, and I will show you a hurt person. And what do I mean by that? Someone who has anger lodged in their heart, someone who has chosen not to forgive, someone who still carries around 
the wrong that that person did or took or done to them and they carried for a long time. And Jesus in this account today is telling us, don't carry that anger in your heart. You must cancel the debt. That's what Christ's fathers do. That's what Jesus did for us on the cross. He canceled our indebtedness. You see, sick people have sick hearts and sick people act sick. And until you want, if you want complete healing, you must come to a point where you must take this anger that's lodged and this wrong that's been done and forgive them. And when anger gets lodged in our hearts, you begin to believe. Here's what happens. You don't even realize it. I don't realize it if I let anger lodge in my heart. That we begin to believe that everyone owes us. And at some point, you're going to get dumped on with, as a result of someone lodging. Have you ever seen, have you ever been like you walked innocently into a, a situation and this angry person, you're just in their way and they just spill on you? It's like, where'd that come from? I'll tell you where it came from. It came from a heart that was still harboring bitterness and resentment for something that was taken, something that was done to them, a wrong that was never righted in their mind. And if a person carries that, they will damage all the relationships around them. You see, behind the emotion of anger is the reality that we aren't getting in our way. That's why people get angry. You want something, you want a position, you want a job. You want that car, you want this, you want that, you, you want to be noticed, you, 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 you want to be loved. And, and if you're not getting what you want, anger is a result of that. Anger has a way of gaining its strength from secrecy too. When it's lodged in our heart, it must be brought to light. You see, some, if you're not careful, are carrying this anger that's been done to you and you kind of like it. You're a victim. You like, you like telling your story. You like reminding people what's been done to you and against you. And so you, it's kind of like, that's, that's your badge. When I was six, when I was 10, when I was in my first marriage, when I, when I went to this job place, this boss, this person, this church, this pastor, these people, they did this to me. And I want to tell you, let me tell you, and, I, and you carry it like a badge and you like telling your story how you've been wrong. And if you never, ever bring that to light and release it to God and forgive, then it will gain potency as it remains lodged in your heart. See, some people believe that their anger is okay and that the world owes them because they've been wronged by a dad, by a mom, by a husband, by a wife, by a friend, by a teacher, by a coach. Yet, You and I are one story of confession and forgiveness away from a healthy heart, but we don't want to forgive. We're like this servant. You owe me 16 cents. And all the while, just like he was forgiven of three to four million, Christ took all of our sin to the cross and he, the, the debt that we owed him, he canceled our indebtedness and we live as though we've never been forgiven. How can we call ourselves Christ's followers if we don't know what's been done for us and we focus more on what's been done to us? Oh, come on, church. Jesus gives this story This is heavy information. In fact, look what he says. Look what he says in verse 35. He says, this is how my heavenly father, God, will treat each of you unless you what? What's it say? Forgive your brother or sister from your heart. 
how the other servants, now word was on the street. I'm sure it got on the street quickly. Jesus tells the story and word gets on the street that, do you know that guy that owed three to four million dollars? He went in, he stood, he went in, their accountant said, you know what, books are clear. Can you believe that? And you know what he did? He went right out and found someone that owed him 16 cents. And he was mad and angry because they owed him. And it says this in verse 31, Jesus tells the story, when the other servants saw what happened, they were what? What's the word? Outrage. And went and told their master everything that had happened. So the master who had forgiven this guy called the servant back in. How would you like to be that guy coming back in? He said, I canceled all the debt of yours. Because you what me? What's it say? You begged me. Verse 33. Shouldn't you have had what? Mercy on your what? Fellow servant. Just as. Now hold on to that phrase. That's going to reappear in Paul's writings. Just as I had on you. In his righteous anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And this, Jesus said, is how my heavenly Father God will treat each of you, Grace Community Church, unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. You see, here's a reality. Your anger not only, your story not only explains your anger, but in your mind justifies it. We justify it. Well, you don't know what's been done to me. You know what? I don't. And let me tell you, I don't pretend to. And let me tell you, I have wept many tears over the horrific things that have happened. I don't pretend to somehow stand here and say that this is easy. But what I do know, if Jesus spoke it, it is possible to forgive those who have done wrong to you. And if you want freedom to reign in your hearts, Jesus says, you must forgive. You must cancel the debt that's been done to you. You see, when you see someone who has been through a similar situation or even a worse situation, people that still carry anger in their heart and they know that you've walked through the same thing. Have you ever had it happen to you? You might have walked through the same thing that that person's done and you've chosen to forgive and move on where these people actually get angry with you. Well, they don't really understand. They haven't really forgiven have you ever met someone that like you walk through it and you, you, maybe your, your, your family situation was similar, but you've chosen to forgive? They're angry at you. They're like angry that somehow you don't understand what I've walked through. And they're mad because anger is lodged in their heart and it affects all the relationships around them. Anger should never be an asset or an ally for you. The servant lets anger lodge in his heart and it affected all of his other relationships. You see, someone has been hurt and lets it remain in their heart and every relationship in that person's life is impacted by them. You see, you think you're in control of your life, but you're not. And so we have to ask this question. How long will you let someone who hurt you control your life? To be quite honest, most of these people who have hurt you have probably already moved on. They're not even thinking about it, but you continue to wallow in that 
You continue to bring that up. You continue to remember that. You continue to allow it to damage your heart. All the while, this person most likely, in many cases, has moved. How long will you and I let someone else control our life? Jesus says, cancel the debt. And if you don't, there's some repercussions and consequences as a result of that. You see, forgiveness is the remedy for anger. Jesus tells us this story and shows us that forgiveness is a remedy and to caution us that there are some hefty consequences to carrying this anger and unforgiveness around. Can you imagine that walk down the hallway to the king the second time he went into his throne room? First time he begged, please be patient with me, sir. I can't pay this back. I, it was a bad investment. Please give me mercy. Can you imagine him going back the second time? Same guy, after he had refused to cancel someone's debt of 16 cents. Can you imagine that walk in the second time? Knowing full well that that decision made by the master hadn't fully softened his heart towards others. In light of all that the master had done, Jesus tells the story, you wicked man, I'm going to hand you over to the prison and you will be tortured. And he said, this is what will happen, Peter, to you and to all the yous that are Christ followers after you. The same way, this is what will happen to you. You see, we have a tendency to view what has been done to us instead of what has been done for us. See, all we have to do is go back to the cross. And like Paul said in Colossians 2.14, God canceled all our sins. Amen? Amen? All of them. If you need a reminder of what it looks like, Jesus left heaven. What king do you know that would ever die for his people for sins that he never committed. Our king, Jesus. Just go to the cross. And if you think, they don't deserve that. I, they don't deserve, they did this and they stole this. They stole time and 10 years of my life and innocence and hardship and difficulty. They don't, they don't deserve. Do we deserve grace? Do we deserve eternal life? No. You see, we need to stop focusing on what's been done to us and instead focus on what's been done for us, Jesus at the cross. You see, your pain isn't a trophy to show off either. It's not a story to keep rehashing over and over again. It's potentially damaging to your soul. If you refuse to forgive, you and I choose to self-destruct every relationship near us remember your story it explains your behavior but it doesn't excuse it so Paul brilliant understood a lot I mean he he was there when Christians were killed he ordered Christians being killed and he was saved on the road to Damascus in the book of Acts radically saved his heart was changed he had some words to say about anger too I'm sure he had moments pre-Christ and after Christ that he dealt with anger. And so he gives us a little list here. In fact, look at Ephesians chapter 4. He, he brings up the same subject just like Jesus did. 
And he knew that it, it would be something that the church at Ephesus and the church at Grace Community would have to deal with. And so as a reminder, Paul said this, inspired by the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 4, carried along by the Spirit, he wrote this. And let me just pause and hit the button here a second. The Bible tells us that men wrote, prophets who wrote, were carried along or moved by the Spirit to write. Let me just give a little insert here. It's something I always think about. We should never elevate men and the Holy Spirit on the same level. Like somehow men are as important as the Spirit was in when writing the Bible. It tells us in Peter that the Spirit moved, the Spirit carried. Here's what happened. Spirit took and moved the writers, moved them, moved. Go there, go there. Carried them. Here, go there. What do you see? Right. Moved them. Right. Moved them. Right. Carried them along. Bam. What they wrote is because the Spirit carried them. And the Spirit said, right. Paul, right here. This is important. Spirit carried him along, moved him. Write this, Paul. And he wrote this. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. So Paul wrote this. Moved by the Spirit. Verse 31. Get rid of all what? What's the word? Bitterness. What's the next word? Rage. And what? And what? Brawling and what? Along with every form of what? Like Paul's covered them all. Like any little itsy bitsy kinds of anger, get rid of it. And then he says this, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to what? One another. Forgiving each other. And here it is. Here's that, here's that phrase we just saw that Jesus told. What are the next two words? Just as. Just as. Okay. Just as means just as. Just as in Christ, God did what for us? Forgave us. So how do you get rid of all? Like what part of all is in all? All is all. How do you get rid of it? Let me, I always think about this. How many times have you walked into a spider web or run into a spider web? I've been out running in the evenings a lot. I like to run at night and I'll be running through a woods and have a headlamp on and I'm running and, and busting through the woods or limping through the woods or struggling through the woods. Depends what that day felt like as I'm running. And you ever get a, a, a spider web in your face? What do you do? Like, what do you try to do? Get it all off. Like every bit of it. Like it, it comes down. Oh, it's in your hair. It's like, get, get. That's what Paul's saying. Get rid of all of it. Because if you don't get rid of all of it, what happens? Oh, it's still there. That's the picture. Getting rid of it. Get rid of all. Look what he says. What should we get rid of? We should get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and every form of malice. So Paul says this. Whatever negative emotion you are harboring because of your anger. Get rid of it. Then he says this. Like, I wish you would stop there. Like, I, verse, like Paul, why didn't you just stop it right in the 31? Like, I get that. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, broadening and slander, along with every form of malice. Okay. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Okay, period. I wish you would like... Then he says, just as in Christ, God forgave you. See, Jesus knew this. So did Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit to write. 
He moved him. Right, 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 right. Carried him over here. Right, right. He knew that wherever there is anger, there is hurt. And when there is hurt, there is theft. There's an imbalance in someone's mind because something's been taken from them. Somebody owes somebody. That's why the master canceled the debt. This servant owed him. That's why angry people say, I'm going to get what with them? Even. Even. I'm going to get even with them. Why? Because there's an imbalance. Something was taken. There was a theft in our mind. Someone took something from us. Someone owes us something. When I was a kid, I used to go into the hardware store in Morgansville, Maryland, and there was a scale that was there, and then we would punch in the amounts of weight that we wanted to buy nails. And so you would grab a brown bag of nails, and you would put nails in, and you would punch in one pound or two pounds or three pounds, whatever the amount that you wanted to buy, it showed this amount per pound was the cost. So I would then place the brown bag with the nails trying to get to one or two or three pounds. And then I would just keep adding a nail or two to to balance the scales. And that's what we try to do. This is what's been done. Three pounds of hurt. Seven pounds of, of, of deficit by this person. They did this. They took this. And so in our minds, what we try to do is keep adding. I'm going to get back. I'm going to take all these things and do to them until we're even. We, we reach the level to which they've done to us. And Jesus says, no, go to the scale and hit zero. Add nothing. Isn't that what Jesus has done for us? Completely. Imagine us trying to earn our way to God, by the way. (laughs) Seriously, that's why it blows my mind that somehow we can possibly think that we can earn our salvation to God. How can a sinful person ever get their way to a holy God? (laughs) You know how they get to holy God? Through a perfect person called Jesus Christ. And so he says, we're not there to balance the scales. We're there to say, it's canceled. How do we do it? With kindness and compassion towards that person. So again, this is what Jesus says back in Matthew chapter 18. It's, it, you know, I read this again this week and I read it again early this morning. And I think we should really think about this. Jesus said, this is how, verse 35, my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister. Well, treat, what, what did he do? Verse 32, then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have mercy, have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In other words, shouldn't you have canceled the debt? Shouldn't you finally just release that person and forgiven them? Shouldn't you just hit zero on the scale and say, forgiven? And he says this, in his anger, when I would say righteous anger, because God is the perfect judge, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he would pay back all he owed. And Jesus says, this is how the heavenly father will treat you. Now, I'm not certain exactly what all that means. 
but I know this, it's not good. In light of how much we have been forgiven, nothing ever done to us isn't worth forgiving, Jesus says. I'm not pretending to understand your pain. I, don't, I haven't walked in your shoes and you haven't walked in my shoes. But I bet if we all got together and told our stories, there's a lot of pain and there's been a lot of wrong done to us. And I bet if we were really honest, it's very similar. And Jesus says, cancel the debt. Forgive them. Be kind and compassionate to those who have wronged you. You see, if we hold on and hold out waiting to be paid back for the wrongs that have been done to us, Jesus says, we'll end up being the ones being paid for it. That's why Jesus said in this parable, you wicked, lazy servant. You see, here's, hear me, Grace, hear me today. We must stop believing the lie that it's okay to act the way we do with our anger. We got to stop believing that lie. Like we're justified. Like when I was six, when I was seven, when I was 10, my boss, my mom, my dad, my brother, my wife, my ex, my, we got to stop, keep rehashing the stories and telling everybody what they've done. So how do you do that? How, How do you finally get to the point where you cancel the debt? How do you know that you've forgiven someone? You know, the Bible has a lot to say, and and so I want to walk you through a process. If you're a note taker, I encourage you to take these because I suspect that if you're not angry now with someone, you will be. And here's some steps I encourage you to process with me. First, identify who you're angry with. You got to, you, you, you got to identify. You got to be willing to say, I'm angry. Like mom, dad, brother, sister, boss, teacher, coach, principal, name it, brother, sister, I'm angry. Remember, trying to forget a debt is not the same as canceling it. Now hear me out. Help, help me help you understand here. Jesus is the only one, God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy Spirit. It says in Psalm that he chooses not to remember what the sins that we've committed. Listen, it'll be very difficult. In fact, I don't know that we can ever truly forget what's been done to us. But we can choose to forgive. And why do I say that? Because forgiveness is not an emotion. It's a decision. I doubt very much that any of us ever get to a point where we feel like forgiving someone for what they've done to us. It's rare that we just like, I just feel like I should just forgive. No, forgiveness is a decision. It's not an emotion. So identify who you're angry with. How do you know who that is? Write that person's name down. Identify. Secondly, determine what they owe you in your mind. They did this and they took that. They... 10 years of my life was wasted. They robbed me. I was in business with them and they took and they never showed up. They weren't in the picture. Dad was never there. Mom wasn't there. And just, just name it. What, what is it in your mind that they owe you? What exactly did they take? You must surface that. You see, most skip this step. 
But you've got to be specific. And why do I believe you need to be specific? Wasn't Jesus specific? He said, hey, you owe this many bags of gold. You owe this day's wages. Be specific. What's the amount? What did they do? Write it down. They took. They stole. They did this to me. They said this about me. Be specific. Just as like the king forgave the specific amount, you and I must cancel the specific wrong done to us. Thirdly, cancel the debt. So how do you do that? I believe you verbalize it. Say, God, through prayer, Heavenly Father, God of heaven and God of earth, when I was six years old, in my first marriage, this coach, these people, this business partner, my brother, my sister, my husband, my wife, took this from me. They robbed us of a family. He robbed us. She robbed us. Be specific in your heart and say, God, in the power and the ability, because the spirit lives in me, I forgive them. I cancel the debt. Maybe even you have a next step. Maybe you write it down and you take it out and you have a moment with God and you just put it on a piece of paper and you burn it and say, I need a reminder. I need a stake in the ground moment. I'm tired of carrying this. I'm tired of this anger lodged in my heart. I cancel that debt in Jesus' name, amen. Fourthly, dismiss the case. What do I mean by that? It's a daily decision to not reopen the case. And some of us are good at it. We keep talking about it. We, want, we got this victim mentality. It's like, they did this. And it's like somehow we want pity. And, and no, no. Listen to me. Dismiss the case. Remember, your feelings don't always follow your decision to forgive. Restate this. You might have to restate it daily. They don't owe me. They don't owe me. She doesn't owe me. He doesn't owe me. They don't owe me. Based on what Christ has done on the cross, just as Christ and God forgave us, I dismiss the case in Jesus' name. Lastly, recognize the futility, seriously, of getting paid back. Like, is it really possible to get paid back? Those years that were lost? Is it really possible to get paid back what's been done to you? And let me just say this. I don't even think you need to go to the person, the people who've done it to you. Because in some reality, they might not even remember and they might even see it as an accusatory response from you. You're accusing them. I don't even think personally you need to go to them. Because now you're handed a whole nother set of circumstances. Just forgive them. You don't need an apology from them. Remember, it's not wrong to want to be paid back. Yet it's often impossible for it to happen. The author, one of the authors that I've been looking at this week said this in regards to this. And I think it's fantastic. Just listen to this about the futility of getting paid back. He says, whenever I press people to tell me exactly what was taken by those who hurt them most and what it would be like, what it would take to make things right, they look a bit 
bewildered. Suddenly they're faced with the realization that they're owed a debt that cannot be paid. Can a man who abandoned his kids ever really replace what he had, has taken from them? Can a son who has made a parent's life hell for years give back what he has taken? How do you restore them? How do you restore time and affection? How does a mother pay her grown daughter back for not being there to tuck her in a bed at night as a child? You can't pay back a missing relationship. You can't pay back a reputation. There's no way to make up for years of criticism and neglect. How does someone give you back your innocence, your purity? These debts cannot be repaid. The best thing to do is cancel them. The truth is nothing can make up for the past. There's an emotional element involved in hurt that cannot be compensated for through apologies, promises, or financial restitution. An apology doesn't erase an experience. To some degree, there will always be outstanding debt. To pursue or wait for payback is futile. It won't happen. It can't happen. To insist on it is to set ourselves up for unnecessary heartbreak. To cling to our hurt while waiting to be repaid is to allow the seeds of bitterness to take root and grow. When that happens, we allow the person who hurt us once to hurt us over and over and over and over. We must focus on what's been done for us instead of what's been done to us. You see, it was our sin that took Jesus to the cross. We must focus on the work of the cross.